My guest today is the bass player who's been with a number of bands over his long career. Over the last 10 years, he's been a member of the legendary group Styx. They are on tour with Def Leppard and Tesla right now. I'd like to welcome Ricky Phillips. Hey, Roy. How are you, man? I'm good. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We did a show last night in Los Angeles and now in, where are we? Uh, <laughs> Palm Springs area, I believe, and we're... We're in Vegas, t- uh, I believe, tomorrow night, and then uh, Scottsdale the night after that. So we're rolling, starting uh, the year off. Here we go. Yeah, no break for you guys. Let me ask you this. Are <laughs> you getting a chance to do the Def Leppard cruise, which is sort of in between, or are you guys not going on that? You know, somebody asked me that last night. No, we're not doing that. We we will do cruises, but we don't stay on the ship, and we usually do them... Uh, I think it's in May, and we'll do maybe four ships but what we do is we'll go to the to the bahamas and then we'll check in a hotel and as the ships dock our crew is loading in our stuff and when they leave our stuff is already off and we're back in the hotel and the next (laughs) ship pulls in and so we don't stay on the ships we did that years ago it was cool it was fun but um it's i don't know it's it's prefer being on land yeah, well, it, ships are cool, but it's we go stir crazy after a while because um, you know there's it's limited what what, uh, what we yeah. can get done on when we're we're on a ship. But yeah, I, I didn't even know Def Leppard was doing a, a cruise, so I'm, I'm anxious to talk to those guys about uh, what brought that on. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's next week from what I've what I've seen. So okay, so they must go from that straight to us in Orlando because we're all hooking up. Um, in Orlando, that's our first gig back together. Right, exactly. Well, I want to uh, touch base on that because that's sort of the the big news tour you've been on for a while now. Was was the tour with Def Leppard and Tesla uh, started last right. year? Um, how did that go? And and what was the decision to sort of uh, re up it and keep going? Well, I think there's a few reasons to re up it. One, it did incredible numbers. Um, we were one of the biggest selling tours of the summer, which was surprising. There were a lot of one, really great people I love anyway out there touring. And we just love those guys. Um, we hadn't toured with them in seven or eight years. And, um, you know, it's just funny how time flies and how long we've been doing this. <laughs> but, um, we just, we get on like a house on fire, man. We, uh, uh, I mean, on days off, Joe and Sav and I will go out and play golf. Well, we used to. Um, we're going to try make, try to make a point of doing that this time out because we should be in some spots where the weather should be okay. Starting in Florida, um, I, I actually I think we're starting in North Carolina and then Florida. But anyway, when we go through Southern Texas, we might catch some good weather. And uh, it's, it's it goes beyond just the music. It's uh, it's, a, it's a friendship, long time friendship. And those guys are just great guys. You know, I wonder if sort of the average music listener would, uh, in putting a concert tour together, would think Sticks and Def Leppard. It's sort of, uh, uh, on first thought, seems it's like an odd, odd match, right? But when you <laughs> get there, you're like, oh yeah, of course, I know every song by both bands. I think what sometimes happens is, like I was in Bad English, right? And in that era, bands started all looking the same, kind of sounding the same. To get radio airplay, you kind of had to have this homogenized big stadium lots of uh, delays and reverb sound and um, 
it didn't start off that way. The sixties kind of started, you know, there was the little, the London poppy sound that was maybe similar, but it, it was kind of blues rooted came from the love of, of Mississippi Delta blues or Chicago blues or even Southern Texas blues. Like the, well, I guess where the, you would say Edgar and Johnny winter came out of. And, and so, um, it's, there's many things that happen in music. Uh, disco's come in, uh, punk has even come in and, and, and uh, taken some bands down. Um, uh, back in, I'd say the late seventies, early eighties. Yeah. Um, and, and so now that it's more of a touring concert driven industry, um, it's, it's interesting what bands go together. And I don't think it's, it is obvious. Ours, and this is a great example. Uh, the fans, our fans that may, might not have been Def Leppard fans became instant Def, Def Leppard fans. And I think that the converse happened as well. And, uh, it's just musically a fulfilling night. You're not seeing the same kind of homogenized music. Um, the bands both have a sound that when it comes on the radio, you instantly know it's Def Leppard. You instantly know it sticks. Right. And, and I think the appreciation for people who may have, ah, you know, I don't really like those guys, whichever, um, minds are changed instant, instantaneously, and, and both bands are so good, so good at what they do. Um, and Tesla, too. I don't mean to leave them out. I mean, Tesla's sure. a Northern California band, and um, I'm from Northern California, and I love the fact that those guys have had continued success. I mean, they throw down. They come, uh, you know, they're open enough for both of our bands, and I mean, they they make it a full, complete night. So it's uh, just been a good package. With Sticks, now you've been in there for over 10 years easily, right? When did you join the band? Yeah, I'm in my 13th year. Um, um, I guess in September I'll start my 14th. It's uh, I I got a call from actually Todd Zuckerman first. Uh, when he found out that uh, JY and Tommy were going to call me, um, he, he and I had met doing sessions together and we were always a great frustrating for me in Los Angeles is because I loved working with Todd and I was producing a lot of stuff at the time and also doing sessions for other producers as a bass player but um, I always wanted to use Todd on stuff I was doing and he was always on the road to sticks but I never thought of the idea of well I don't know how do we do this which <laughs> is what Todd <laughs> called me up and said I want to ask if I can be the first guy to call you which is really cool because there's that special relationship in any band, and every every band, every good band between the bass player and the drummer. Um, Stick started off as twin brothers being the bass player and uh, drummer, so it's always had that special relationship and a, a solid, deep pocket where where the foundation is built with bass and drums. And, uh, so when Todd called me, I was I was flattered in his enthusiasm and excitement, and also flattered. He said, you know, Tommy's going to obviously call you here in a few minutes, and I just, I want to know. I asked if I could call first and see what you thought and blah, blah, blah. So um, it started off really on the right sort of attitude, the right foot, and um, it's just gotten better and better every year. We seem to throw down a little heavier each year the longer we're together. Um, we all still have a great love of writing and still have a great love of um, what it is to, to be a good band, to, yeah. to really... Not never ever ever phone in your parts to always show up every night and try to make let's make tonight's show better than last night's show and that's always been our mo. Well, you know one thing I've sort of noticed over 
over the years uh, is that whenever I, there's an opportunity to see, uh, I, I don't know what the right word is, like sort of one of the, the classic bands, you know, a band that's been around and had a long career. If you get get to go to see them, it's always a good show because it, it's it's gone past sort of the, uh, you know, uh, trying to outdo other bands or whatever nonsense is going on. And now it's just, they're all so good at what they do and, and sticks and of course, you know, Def Leppard or whoever falls in line with that where, that you you guys are just pros yeah. at it, it, and it comes so easy, and it's a good show, and you get your money's worth. You know, it's that's interesting because I just heard my nephew um, played me. He's nineteen, and he played me uh, the Hollywood All Stars about two days ago. Right. And he said, "Uncle Ricky, have you heard the Hollywood All Stars?" And I go, "No, I haven't." Called. And he said, um, "He said, well, we're he was going to take me into the valley." Uh, we, I was out in uh, Castaic and staying with them and taking me to uh, my hotel and, and he said let's listen to it on the way and I said yeah right, you got it so I said Cole do you know who is in the Hollywood All-Stars <laughs> um, no man no who's, who's in he was just he has a love of just good music I mean he'll turn me on to stuff that's new this is new but it's guys right. guys that I was influenced by and grew up with and, and have, have worked with and uh, so I explained to him all the guys that were in the band, and, and it's a it's a big list. There's what I don't know, fifteen guys that played on on that record. And um, I, I, as I'm listening to it, I'm going when they, I heard "Schools Out" and I heard Alice and all the guys playing. It's it's it kicks the shit out of the original version. It's just a good song to begin with. But uh, I realized, you know, we thought we were badass back when we came out and we first hit, but most of the guys have just matured as musicians yeah. to the point. I've always thought that about the band Sticks. And it's kind of not my place to say in a way, because I wasn't, although I toured with the original uh, format of Sticks, and when I was in the babies, we opened up for Sticks several times. Uh, so I heard, I heard the, but I, I, I thought, man, there's, there's no way that that band was, as I'm, I'm removing myself from that for a second, uh, that that band is as, was as good then as they are now. And before I even came in, I mean, the, I love the fact that good musicians just improve in so many ways, not just as a as a musician, but in taste and in style and having tried hundreds of thousands of ways to, to play a riff or, or introduce certain uh, arrangements and, and, and vocal harmonies and just an approach and intensity to songs comes comes with... with just being a matured uh, professional at whatever it is you do, whether it's music or, or whatever. And when I heard the Hollywood All-Stars the other day when Cole played for me, I was like, damn. That's cool. You know, I, I suppose an obvious question you get asked all the time is if there is any plans for a new album, and so I got to throw that in there. But, uh, you know, it's been a long time, so has there ever been a, a talk about a new record? Well, there's a, been a lot of a lot of talk, um, and I think that... Um, I think it's time. I think that uh, uh, to do it, we're all going to have to. We think we're we've, we're kind of looking at a couple places in our schedule where we might be able to go in. And, um, we can't do it the way you know, quick and fast, and because there's no money in it, <laughs> um, like there used to be. And the fact that it's just it won't sell what they used to sell. And and we we always laugh because we go well. Let's put out a record. How many is it going to sell? Well, man, maybe we sell a hundred thousand. <laughs> well, that'd be a huge failure back in the day. So, <laughs> um, you know, that's it's kind of like 
records don't sell like the people download songs but yeah. there's people are getting around that there's ways to get around some of that um, releasing on vinyl first or yeah, I've heard all kinds of stories of what people are trying but um, we're working on a little something an idea that might make one want people to buy the whole thing and um, it's it, it isn't really that isn't really our end of it that's kind of more management and, and stuff we 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 still kind of are more hung up on the creative side of it, and we don't. We hear and everybody has talks. We have been meetings with our management, and they've talked numbers and they talk this and that. But honestly, sticks is we're sensible. We don't want to we don't want to do things that are going to cost money that come out of us being able to feed our families and and our right. crew's families. But but you know, it still comes down to we just love to record, and so it's time, and that's why we're going in. Uh, it, we've been wanting to we just haven't had time in our schedule and we decided to uh, look at some times we can go in and kick that ball around a bit and, and uh, see what we can go with it yeah I've heard of some some bands that are um, that have said well maybe there's no point in, in even putting out a new album you know and that type of thing and then and then sometimes it comes down to but we just we got into this to write songs so we just want to do it you know and just see what yeah, it happens, right? it's, you know it is an extension of yourself. So, yeah, I mean, I don't. This is not want to get too deep with all this, but what what I think happens is when you're too business savvy and and you let that override creativity, you're robbing yourself. And so you've got to look into avenues to where you can do it, and that's what we're doing. Um, Songwriting is an extension of who you are. It always has been, always will be. I mean, there are people that, you know, cookie cutter songs and they're good, they become really good at, at the foundation of how to build a song. That's not what I'm talking about, but that's never been what Sticks is, and that's not what I am or Lawrence Gowan is. Um, so um, it's, it's a part of us that we need to complete. It's a part of us that we're depriving ourselves of we need to search who who are we now and what what does that how does that translate into into music right. and and uh i don't get all esoteric about it but that's that's really right down to the to the root of of uh what songwriting good songwriting i think really is it it's, it comes from uh a piece of of the writer uh, a piece of the soul that might not even be a completed personal experience might be augmented but it's an observation you know, speaking of reasons or not for putting out new albums and, and sort of the current industry and all that, what, what do you and maybe like the guys in the band sort of think about what it's like being a new band these days with the streaming and downloading and all that stuff? And, you know, is it is it where like, wow, we're, we were lucky to get in when we got in. We wouldn't know what to, where to start if we had to start today, that type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, where do you start? Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's the old joke, you start at the start. Well, okay. Um, but you can you can do the work. You can find a way to put in the time to write the songs, to complete them. It's, it's easy to write a song. Getting them recorded is, and get, the, get them recorded properly, and so they really uh, uh, deserve to be heard, can sometimes be a bit laborious. I'm just finishing up producing the last recordings of Ronnie Montrose. It's taken me a long time. I'm on the road all the time. And um, so exactly a year ago from now, I 
took the project from uh, we were working in San Francisco, but I just it's so hard for me to get to San Francisco and uh, from the road. So I moved the project to Los Angeles with my old engineer that I used when I was producing Lauren. Um, we're finishing up this week, as a matter of fact, and it is some great music that's being recorded. The, the basic tracks are awesome. But to get something completed so that it all the little nuances can shine because they're not covered up by something that's you know, maybe too busy of playing or too too many instruments playing at the same time or maybe a, a really strange vocal arrangement that you go, man, this needs to be changed on the top of it. This isn't paying off the course. Whatever it is, there are so many there are so many examples. But you have to put that time in, I think. Um, and if you can do it every day, you can get it done in a month. You can get it okay. done in six weeks. But if you're coming back to it all the time, you have to kind of revisit and figure out, okay, where do we leave off? Just emotionally or mentally, you have to really... Um, uh, there's, a, there's a lot to uncover. And every time you uncover something, you'll, you'll hear something else. So um, uh, well, I guess what I'm, I'm trying to say is that bands can go in and they, they can spend all the time, especially if they don't have a record company looking over their heads and making them meet a deadline. They can put the time in, whether it's after work or after school or after whatever, it, it just takes longer. And then now you got this gem. What are you going to do with it? Um, it? It's a even right now. I'm going through that with this project, right. and I've got a lot of all stars on this record. And you'd think I could just walk in and say, "Hey, look, look who I got." But um, it's it's not the same as it was. There's not the infrastructure of record companies doing all of that, doing all the marketing and helping you with your cover art and um, just kind of mowing down the pathway and having the uh, meetings with the program directors at the radio stations for you and trying to get your 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 song added to, to the playlist. It's not, not really like that anymore. No, it's all over the so, place. Yeah. So it's tough, and we talk about it all the time. We, I don't know how many times I've heard myself or I'm talking to somebody from another band set, man, because you imagine being a young musician right now. What would you do? You know, it's, it's an open conversation. Yeah. You brought up uh, Bad English earlier, and I was a huge fan of Bad English, if I can say so. Oh, uh, that was I love even the the second album, which I know wasn't as as successful, but I love the second. I'm album with too. you there, brother. I'm with you there. <laughs> uh, that second album has all the tension that we were going through as a band in it, and it doesn't have all of the obvious uh, hits that the first one did, but musically, that second one. Yeah, uh, I get I get some eerie feelings listening to it sometimes. That's good so. stuff. I mean, is there you know looking back on on you know your long career sort of at, at before Sticks, you know, with the babies and Bad English and Coverdale Page and whoever else you know on the list? I mean, is there sort of particular period you're you're most fond of? Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, the babies that was just that's sensational. I mean, that was that was everything I was hoping to rock in experience would be um but i was younger you know so um i learned a lot and i made a lot of mistakes both business-wise and just maybe personal uh, lifestyle choice i was pretty wild and i (laughs) I was john wait and i were uh, trying to conquer the world by you know we we but we we worked as hard as we partied we it was just an entire in with both feet, you know, it was great. Um, it was a great time when Tony and Wally 
and and Jonathan. I mean, uh, uh, we were we were thick as thieves, and it, it was it was just a really good time thinking music. Still, it hadn't kind of gotten all homogenized as it started to, and the, and the more further on into the '80s, I guess. But I really like everything. The time I spent with Jimmy Page and David Coverdale and Denny Carmassi for five months put making the Coverdale page record, it was just a real special treat to you to be just in that company and, and working every day. And um now that I'm in in sticks, um you know, uh I just I wouldn't change a thing here. I mean I wouldn't if I you change one thing you change it all. Yeah. And and, and the same thing with that English uh it was short lived because of probably just too many um you know it was a real bright, bright flame when we first got started. And boy, was was it good! And then, you know, it just burned out quickly. You got it was it was too hot a fire right from the beginning, I guess. And and nobody really was a listener. Everybody wanted to run the show, and everybody wanted to show, run the show in different directions. So we were lucky to get the couple, the two records we did out of it. Um, I think I've remained friends with everybody. Not everyone is still talking to one another, <laughs> but that's kind of what I've found happens. And my favorite bands are bands that have one or two really super talented, strong forces, and the rest of the guys are good soldiers. Um, if you get a bunch of everybody's a hot shot musician, a lot of times you're just inviting trouble because the egos just don't they clash. You know they don't. Um, guys, all the maturity of adulthood goes away. <laughs> Was you know with the first Bad English record, uh, you guys really were a kick-ass rock band. I mean, there's a lot of good rock stuff on that. And then all of a sudden, when I see you smile, become sort of this massive hit all over the place. Was that and that yeah. was sort of a big thing then with a lot of bands, right? The ballad became the hit. So was that a sort of a good thing, bad thing? How'd you guys look at that? Well, you know, I don't want to talk to people a lot of who love my song, my, one of my songs. I don't want to talk to me out of that. I mean, that's, but it's not my, it wasn't my thing at the time. And I, I had voted against doing the song. Um, and John Wake came to me and he said, Ricky, you don't, you don't understand this. Is, I can make this a number one song. I mean, he said, he stated that <laughs> John's a really smart guy. Right. Um, and he knows what he's capable of. He'd had a number one song that he'd written. This one he hadn't written. This is a Diane Warren song. Well, as soon as he heard it, he went, oh man, I, I know how to sing this song. It's got all the elements. But there there was a thing that was going on at that time where a few people were figuring out the formula that was getting on radio. I didn't dig that, man. I don't. I grew up on Yes, and I grew up on Jimi Hendrix, and right. even Cream. I mean, to be able to have songs like they had when they were really just came straight out of out of the blues, you know. Uh, I mean, let's face it, Eric Clapton wanted to be Albert King. And so um, it my influences came from a different place. I loved Queen and I loved, you know, Zeppelin and I loved David Bowie and, and people who were just the interesting arrangements and they wanted to be different. They didn't want to homogenize. So when I heard that song, it was everything I was against. <laughs> but, um, but it hits a hit. Yeah. I mean, he knew he was talking hit. about And uh, John said, look, let's just do, do, let's do this song. I'm telling you, it'll help the record. And and uh, but I think it really was a dividing pin in in what started the downfall of the band. It it took a while, but it weakened a little bit of the fabric because uh, every other song on that, whether you like them or not, there's something about it, man. There's some magic because it was it was us trying to be a little different. 
and people who I've noticed bands that change every year or two, unless it's like David Bowie or Madonna or, or somebody who's consciously um, trying to make an image change, and that's that's cool. I mean, that's that's great. That's a huge talent that not everybody could do. But if you're just trying chasing the flavor of the month and trying to sound like what's getting on the radio, well, that's t- today I don't think you could do that. But that's what was starting to happen. You're just setting yourself up for disaster because it's it's going to change again. Now you you're being pigeonholed as what was and not what is. And if you stay true to yourself, you'll never have to, never have to worry about that. I used to argue that point with everything, <laughs> but uh, it's a it's a great the music industry is just a great, wonderful, magical, um, and and terrible place to be. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's a crazy dichotomy of all the things I love, but it's also can be a bitch at the same time well uh you know again um you're kicking ass with sticks you got like a million more shows throughout the the first half of the year the the tour with Def Leppard and Tesla kicks back off on the 27th then after uh you're with Def Leppard and Tesla you guys continue on the road right yeah it'll be more of an an evening evening with sticks and uh we'll i think we match up a few times we're going to get back together with uh, don felder in uh in atlanta we're doing a big concert i guess in may and uh i'm not sure who's opening that but um it's it's kind of one of those one of those things are where we i can usually stay about a week at a time where are you playing next month i don't know <laughs> right but but i know i know that i'll be playing somewhere because they keep us busy and um I, I really, really forget if it's Thursday or Friday or Saturday um, most of the time, and, and we all do. And as a matter of fact, we used to play this game. Tommy had this little camera, and he'd walk up to you, and he'd turn, turn it on, and he'd go, where are we? What day of the week is it? Where were we last night? And, and you just, and you, um, we, uh, we are in uh, Philadelphia? <laughs> no, no, we're in Cleveland. Uh, you, know, you know, it's like, you just kind of, it's, you just give you give up and you just carry on and realize that this, wherever we are, let's rock them. I can imagine. Well, well, thanks, Ricky. It was a real pleasure to speak with you, man. Um, I wish you the best on the road, and I'll see you at the the next one of the next shows. Great, man. Thanks, thanks a lot. Great questions, interesting, and I enjoyed it. All right, man. Thank you. Bye. All right, bye bye. Thanks to Ricky for the interview. For upcoming news and interviews, check theprogreport.com. Follow us on Facebook at The Prog Report on Twitter or download the podcast on iTunes. Thanks.